Amen, amen. All right. Well, good morning, church. Um, hopefully, everyone's feeling trim from Christmas. And uh, I know I am. Uh, just, you know, a few notches here or there in the belt. And uh, but it's okay. 2020's coming. We'll all start running again and watching what we eat. Um, but we've got a few more days. So this morning, um, I wanted to, uh, this being the last Sunday of 2019, I uh, just really felt like we needed to kind of go back in time and kind of give you more or less a recap through the lens of the Word of the Lord for 2019. If you weren't with us back in January, we, um, our elder team had, had pulled together our leadership team and, and kind of said, God, what do you have for us this year? And there were many different words that, that, that he was sharing in scriptures, he was highlighting and and, and but, but in all of that, we looked and we said, you know, we, we feel like that there's something that we're narrowing in on, and, and so we prayed through it, and we did a, a four-week series on it, um, and it comes out of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. So you got your Bibles, you can open up, that's where we're going to hang out today, 1 Peter chapter 2, and you know, as you're turning there, I just want us to, to be encouraged to really reflect before you get to New Year's Eve, which is just in a couple of days, to at least take some time to reflect on 2019. And today is gonna be a bit of a reflection, a bit of a remembrance, so to speak, for 2019, but individually we need to do that as well because a lot happens in 365 days, right? A lot happens in our lives, and I think that, that if, if, if we take a step back and realize that God has us all on a journey and a process of maturing, of growing in him, of developing and our giftings and skill sets and in, and in creating and, and building relationships all around us, that it, it would be well of us to look back and to say, God, in remembrance, I wanna remember the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Because we actually learn from all three of those, right? Like, we don't just wanna just reel off the highlights, you know? Like, man, that birthday party, that moment, that thing, that, that was great. We actually wanna remember the low times, do you remember the low times and you actually lean into and you say, okay, what got me out of that low time? What got me out of that traumatic moment? What got me out of that challenging thing? And, and, and my hope would be is that we look up and we say, you know what? God was there even in the brokenness. God was there in that darkness. God was there in that moment and he pulled me out and he spoke a word or he sent someone to call me or, or a friend showed up or something came in the mail and it sparked something and that we're able to trace the dots back to, oh yeah, God was present in my life. Because if you're a believer in Christ, you have, to, you have to realize and believe and have the faith that actually God is present all the time. He's not just present here on Sunday morning from 10 to 11.15. He's not just present at Life Group. He's not just present when you open your Bible only and God's presence then just is kind of stored up here and then we'll come back to him later and God's time for your presence and then back, that's not how we do it. Right, it's, it's, it's not just when we're feeling really good, oh man, God's presence is when I have all the, all the little tingles you know, in my body and feeling great right now. Did you know that God is present in war, right? God is present in our tears, right? Jesus weeps at those who weeps and he, and, and he rejoices at those who rejoice and he, he's able to mourn with you. Like Jesus is in all of that and all the ups and downs and for us as a people throughout the course of a year, I'm pretty sure all of us have had our highs and our lows and then just the like mundane. And so I want us to remember that individually, but this morning, 
I want us to remember some things that God has spoken, God has done in 2019. Let me read for us 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Verse five, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, that's an action-packed passage, but that was a passage of scripture that we keyed off of for 2019. You know, whenever you're praying and, you, and you're kind of seeking God about something and maybe highlights the scripture, you're not really sure what that's all gonna entail, right? But you kind of sign up for it. You're like, all right, I'm in. I don't know where we're going, right? But that's actually called faith. You don't know where you're going. You just know who you're hanging on to. Right, And so you're hanging on to God, and you're saying, God, I'm along for the ride. I'm not sure I'm gonna like this ride. I'm not sure I'm gonna enjoy this ride. I'm not sure this ride's gonna be smooth, but I'm locking on for the ride, okay? And that's called living life with Jesus. So let's kind of break this down a little bit. I'm gonna share a few thoughts about each of these, each of these verses here and then kind of bring in a little bit to how I've kind of seen this maybe played out in our church in 2019, it says, put away all <clears throat> malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now look, I didn't start out with verse one. That's just the way it flows, okay? So I'm sorry we're just going there right here. It's gonna get better, but we're just gonna start bad, okay? And then we're gonna move on. So it says, put away some of the malice. <clears throat> no, it didn't, oh, you got, oh, you're awake, that's good. Put away all malice, all malice. Now, that's a lot. A lot of malice, right? Put away all deceit. Man, put away all hypocrisy. Put away all envy. Uh-oh, it's better stop watching commercials, right? Put away all slander, right? Like, now, who is he talking to? Is he talking to the most popular people on social media? No. Is he talking to our politicians? No. Who is he talking to? He's talking to you and to me. He's talking to believers in Christ Jesus, which means if you have taken that step of faith, which many of you have, and you have said, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of my sins, my doing, my rebellion, I'm putting my faith and trust in him, and that the blood of Jesus is able to cover, forgive my sins, and then he's able to give me the power to overcome sin because of the resurrection power of Jesus, then if you have stepped into that, then Peter is talking to you and saying, put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. We could stop right there and all need to go spend an hour getting in God's presence and asking for his mercy. Right? And so if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, Tyler, I'm good with all that. You are probably living in hypocrisy, envy, and slander, or you've just deceived yourself. Because I know lots of you, and I know me. 
So here's the deal. In 2019, I did not know how this is going to unfold. But let me give you a few highlights. In March, we have something called Revive. It's our college spring break mission trip. We've been doing it for 10 years running, and we uh, somehow convinced college students to not go skiing, but to come with us and to go on mission with God uh, because there is more eternal value in that, although I love skiing, but hey, we have to sell the mission trip. So people come, and you know, this year we had 300 plus people, and, and, uh, and, and we're here, and, and the way we start the trip is we kind of do like Saturday kind of training sessions, and we're, we're, we're preaching and teaching and doing worship, and that Saturday morning, I'm actually home with our kids. Ashley's up here kind of preaching to the college students that morning. And, uh, and Mitchell Welch, our college pastor, is now up in northwest Arkansas. They play in a church, which is a big deal this year. But he was here. And she gets done teaching, and they kind of converse. And more or less, they kind of get together, and they say, hey, I think God's doing something here. Let's put the microphone on the stage right here and just tell the college students, 300 plus, hey, if anyone in this room needs to confess sin, the mic's right here. Right? Because you know lots of churches do that. Right? No, they don't. That's why you're laughing. And so, but you know, this isn't part of the script, right? We are, we are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God doesn't go off our manual, right? He's his own manual he doesn't tell you about. But he tells you in the moment, and you get to obey or not obey. And so they obey and put the microphone right here. And one or two students kind of came up, a little, a little squeamish, and they're, all right. And they come up and they confess some sin, you know, and, 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 and so the crowd's kind of watching, and then a couple will get around them and just start praying for them, as we forgive you, we love you, and then someone else comes up, and, and then next thing you know, you look up, and there's a line forming down this aisle right here, and it's curving that way, okay? So now it goes from just two people who were the brave souls to now literally probably half of the entire room was in a line waiting as worship's going to come up and confess their sins. Now, when I say confess your sins, this wasn't like, hey, I stole a toy from my brother when he was seven, I need to come clean, all right? No, no, this was like deep sin, jaw-dropping sin, kind of like, I'm not sure I can handle hearing this sin. Now, you would think that because we're church folk, that's not around here, right? That nobody's experiencing that kind of stuff, right? That we're all... We're all above malice and deceit and slander and impurity and sexual morality. That that's not even in our church, right? But you would be deceived. Because at least 150 college students came up and said, I've got real sin issues that are addictive, that are habitual, that are deep and dark, and I haven't told anyone about it, but I'm coming clean today. And let me tell you something. It is only because of the Spirit of God that any human, it is not logical to come up and tell a room full of people all of my deep, dark secrets. Nothing is logical about that. No counselor would probably advise that. But the Spirit of God is the greatest counselor on the planet, so he supersedes all of us. He's saying this is the best thing for you, to come clean with all of it. And so that's kind of how we kicked off this year. It was kind of interesting. And so we go to New Orleans, and 40-plus college students got baptized in a hotel pool and it was incredible. And many of them had confessed sin and repented and come clean of stuff. But I'm telling you, God was doing something in our church. He was stirring 
the student. But it didn't just stop with the students, you know. Revival wasn't just stopping there. It continued on to our young adults and families. I remember in our family's life group, several different nights would gather together and we're there and we're just sharing and people are coming clean and people are sitting there and saying, I'm confessing sin in front of this whole group I've never shared before. And it was heartbreaking and it was, it was hurting and it was killing their family. And, but we got around and said, I mean, we love you. How are you gonna get out of that? Like, there was stuff happening People sharing things they'd never shared before. And God was doing something in this moment. It was like open season. You want to come clean. This is your window right here, right now. God was doing something powerful. Um, and you know, in all of this, there were people coming clean, confessing sin. But you know that there's a difference in confessing and repenting, right? Like, like confessing is saying, hey, I want you to know that I stole the candy bar from the store. <laughs> Right? But then repenting is actually saying, taking that candy bar, taking it back to the people and saying, I'm sorry I stole this. Will you forgive me? What can I do to help restore relationship with you? Right? Like, see, confessing is actually pretty easy. The repentance part takes a lot of work, a lot of humility, and it takes time. To confess is one thing, repent is another. And I want, that, I want us to be clear about that, church. Because in 2019, something that I realized is this word of the Lord for us was also a like clarifying word for our church to understand the reality and the difference between just saying I'm sorry and actually changing your ways, right? I mean, literally, there's a Daniel, you guys know who Daniel Tiger is? Come on, kids, you know what I'm talking about. Daniel Tiger, PBS Daniel Tiger, right? There's actually a song, you wanna hear it? Saying I'm sorry is the first step. And then how can I help? Even PBS, non-Christian, gets it. Saying I'm sorry is the first step. And then how can I help? That means how can I change? That's the Christian life. That's true salvation. Jesus, I confess my sins. That's not salvation. Confess my sins and I will follow you all the days of my life. That's salvation. Salvation is not just, Jesus, forgive me, and I'm gonna keep doing my thing, because that means it wasn't sincere. I don't have to be the judge of that. He gets to be. You can play the game, but you gotta answer to him in the end. So 2019 was quite interesting as we kicked it off. They weren't confessing, repenting, and it's like everywhere you turned, every other meeting I had, it was, hey, I gotta tell you this. It's like, whoa, I gotta tell you. I was looking for like, hey, where's the lunch meeting that's just encouraging, you know? So it was a challenging year, but I'm telling you, God was setting people free and our church, from all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And the last thing on this would just be this. The only way to really get free, guys, is that you've gotta go down the route to forgiveness. And man, I saw that on display in a beautiful way in this church across the board. People, husbands confessing sin, wives confessing sin, roommates, people sharing grievances, offenses, and then yet people restoring it. And I want you to know, restoration doesn't happen over an email or a text. It's verbal. It's a phone call or face-to-face. -face. And I know we live in the tech age, and I know we just we want to just kind of stay connected. It doesn't work. Like, trust me, in marriage, you can't sit there and text your way out of the argument. Right? But we actually try to do that with everything. We try to just text, and then you know how much is misinterpreted by an emoji? You know, especially when you send the wrong one. You can't, you can't get that back. It's like, well, I, I, I didn't mean that. I mean, well, maybe I did, but I didn't, I didn't want you to see that. And it's, oh, oh, you know, it's just, 
right? E- emailing doesn't resolve the conflict. I've actually told our staff, just so you know, if you ever write a review about Antioch Community Church, you don't like us, whatever, that's fine. Um, so if you're here and you're bent out of shape, you want to write a bad review and tell this sort of stuff, I told our staff, we don't respond to people's reviews online. What we do is we actually reach out to them and say, hey, our senior pastor would love to buy you lunch and talk about it. I've only had one person take me up on that, just so you know. A free meal. What's the problem, right? <laughs> Why? Because biblically, we are told not to text our way out or email our way out. We are told to go face-to-face to meet the person, to actually stop when you go to the temple, not near the sacrifice, and go meet your brother and say, hey, let's work this thingy out. So church, part of 2019 was us learning how to work stuff out. You know, when you start doing that, man, stuff just starts coming up from the closet you never expected to come up. But it's good, guys. It's good. It was challenging, but it was good. And guys, this year, personally, I've probably had more hard conversations in 2019 than I have had any year previously in the last 10 years. And some of them with some of you. (laughs) And you're still here. (laughs) And I'm still here. You know, it's kind of a miracle, all right? I've had hard conversations. It has been difficult. It has not been smooth sailing. I know some of you just know me from Sunday mornings and preaching and teaching. There's a lot of other things that we do in life besides this, but this is the moment we all get to connect. I'm just telling you, though, it has been a very difficult year, but we have fought tooth and nail to try to restore and mend things and work things out with different people for different reasons, whether it's offenses or people's own sin or brokenness, people in and out of leadership. It's all happened, but God's been pruning and exposing us in something. Because what he's wanting to get us to is to this. It says here in 1 Peter 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. You know, this past summer, a really neat thing happened. We had about 70 plus men gathered, young adult and family zone men gathered in the summer, early in the mornings. We would meet, we would meet over at the barracks and they opened up their facilities graciously, graciously to us. There was this big, nice pool. We couldn't swim in it, but we could look at it. And so we'd meet there before work. And, uh, and man, we had about half the guys going through a book called Victory Over Darkness. If you're experiencing any darkness in your life, any sort of addictive sin in nature, I would highly encourage you to go buy that book today on Amazon or wherever you want to buy it. It'll be here in a couple days and start reading through it. Start asking a friend to kind of walk you through it because, man, it's just scripture, scripture, scripture. There's freedom for every type of sin. It, there is no sin that's, that's an untouchable for Jesus. There's a victory. So if you're experiencing stuff, man, press in and get the help. So a lot of men did. And other men went through a book called The Resolution for Men, which pretty much narrows in on for husbands and fathers. How do you be a father and how do you be a husband that's reflective of the biblical character of a man? Right? And what does God say about that? And so we got to challenge each other, hold each other accountable over the summer. It was a powerful time. And a lot of marriages began getting on the road of restoration. Right, A lot of, a lot of people came clean with stuff happening in their lives. But God was doing something because people were longing for more. Right, like They were hungering for that spiritual milk, for that, for that purity. They wanted that, they wanted that righteousness exhibited in their life. And God was reminding us again, even through that series this summer as we were going through those books as men, that, um, that all relationships are built on trust. They're built on trust. And in 2019, if, if there's a few things I learned, one of them would be trust is pivotal. Without it, you can't move forward. Without it, you can't have a marriage that's healthy. 
You can't have a friendship that's actually meaningful. You can't have a church that's alive and thriving. Trust is the basis. If you can't trust Jesus, you don't really have a relationship with him. Because you have to trust him even though you don't know where he's taking you or know what's going on, you have to cling to him. Trust is huge. And it continues on in 1 Peter 2, it says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to him, as you come to him. You see, the coming to him, the coming to Jesus is necessary. Remember, Jesus talks about he's like the chief cornerstone, right? So when you build a building, you got the actual cornerstone that's like perfectly chiseled in shape, and it's right there, and everything sets up against it when you're doing masonry stonework. And so Jesus is like the chief cornerstone upon which everything else is built, which is why we say that Jesus is our foundation, right? Like he is what we are built upon, is Jesus Christ, not something else. But we have to come to him. And, um, and we realize that as we were coming to Jesus, just as a church in different ways, we had some growing up to do. We had some growing up to do as a church community. And I personally realized we need to make some changes here at Antioch. And some of those changes were foreseen and others weren't, you know. And if I take you back to March 2019, we had 21 people serving on this staff. 21 people, part-time, full-time, a mixture. And some of those people have been around for years, some, some more recently. And as of today, here in December 2019, only seven of those people remain on our staff. And the encouraging thing is that um, the majority of those were just really healthy transitions. Like, people were just moving on to something different. But it doesn't mean it wasn't painful. Even though the transition was, was peaceful, it was hard because it takes a long time to create a culture, you know? It takes a long time to get people in the right giftings and the right mix and the right role and to to develop the kind, of, the kind of language. It'd be like a company getting rid of two-thirds of their entire workforce and then hiring those two-thirds and say, hey, guess what? You gotta be up and running next week, ready to go. Like, there's not a lot of gap time. It's not like we got to take a church break for three months. Okay, everybody, we'll see you in three months. Let us get our act together. No, we just had to keep going, right? And so it was challenging. It was challenging, and, but, but God was speaking and showing us some places we needed to make some changes and adjustments. You know, and but it was difficult, and and because we had to do some growing up, we had to realize, man, in order to in order to really help our church as a whole, not only we have a bunch of staff changes, we had leadership changes and people coming and going in the church, and which means we had to take a step back and evaluate what's going on, right? And and truthfully, anytime if you're in business or something, when things aren't, when you're looking, you're like, man, there's a lot of stuff happening. And, it, and it's, it's not like we're like hitting all of our goals and marks. You need to be self-aware and take a step back and say, okay, what do we need to change? What needs to happen? And in that, we looked up and said, you know what? We've got to help our people stand on their own two feet spiritually. Because I heard too many stories of people, honestly, in 2019 who had been in our church for a season. They had moved on to another city, taken a job, and would hear stories of people just trying to relay back, hey, here's how someone's doing. And some of them weren't doing very well. And they were leaders in our college ministry, or young adult ministry, or family ministry. They were life group leaders or were part of something. And it's like, man, they were great when they were here. What happened? And I think we started realizing there was such a dependence put upon the life group, the week to week, or the discipleship, that people weren't standing on their own two feet. And without someone calling them or holding them accountable to actually reading this, they weren't. With someone not actually up in their face every week, they weren't really walking in purity. 
that they were just choosing their own path without someone actually holding them accountable or because they weren't a leader anymore. There was no standards that they had from, from other humans, so that God's standard, they just kind of put it to the side, so integrity just went out the window. And so people who were great, and you'd know some of them, you're thinking, what happened to them? What happened is they relied upon the system. They relied upon everybody else for their faith instead of standing their own two feet for their own faith. Peter is speaking to us in 2019, and this, and this passage is saying you need to grow up in the spiritual minute where you are longing for it, where you individually are a stone part of the wall. And yes, there is an interdependence in a good sense of we value community, we value discipleship. I'm not saying go be a rogue Christian. That's not healthy. But what I'm saying is, is it, is it over the Christmas break, if you totally crater, then that should be a wake-up call that you actually are not able to stand your own two feet spiritually right now. You are still in the infant stage, which is okay, but acknowledge that and say, I need some help to mature. I can't walk yet very well. So will someone help me? And you can be 65 years old or 15 years old or in between and feel like an infant spiritually. There's no shame in that. But what it does mean is you need to reach out and say, I need help. Instead of pretending you have it together. Don't pretend. If you need help, if you're struggling, reach out. That's what the church is for. We're not trying to put on a face. You've got to be open and honest, but people can't read your minds. So we try to make changes. We're gonna continue to do some of those in 2020, which we'll get into in the coming weeks. But that's a desire for us, and we acknowledged that and said, man, that's a problem for us. We need to get people to where they're able to have a healthy, thriving, devotional life. Like, that, that if I said, hey, you're gonna go away for a week to the mountains, you wouldn't just freak out. You, oh, I think I know how to function. Like, you know, I mean, honestly, I, it's kind of joking, but I think we're all, we're all aware of this. Like, oh, you're not a leader anymore? Oh, oh, life group's not meeting? Oh, oh, you didn't go to church for two weeks? Oh, what is that? What do we, what, what is that? It's like, it's like, it's like you need to recharge? No, you recharging is daily walking with the Spirit of God. He's recharging you all the time. It, you know, it's not, it's, you're not a Tesla, okay? Like, you don't have to wait a week to get your batteries going. It's continually flowing when you're walking by the Spirit of God and abiding in him, church. Guess what? Oh, man, it doesn't matter where you are on planet Earth. You're with him. He's with you. You don't have to be like, no one's calling me to check in on my spiritual walk. Who cares? The Spirit of God's calling on you right now. And if you've tuned him out, that's your problem. But he's present. He's available. The Spirit of God was given to us to convict us of sin, to guide us and lead us into all truth, not your buddy. The Spirit of God convicts you of sin and leads you and guides you in all truth, not your discipler. The Spirit of God convicts you and leads you and guides you in all truth, not me. Yeah. Right? I'm just helping to inspire us to fan the flame a little bit more. Your most fiery times should not be on Sunday morning. They should be in the morning with you and the Lord. It says we're living stones rejected by men, but chosen and precious in God's eyes. Again, Jesus being the cornerstone, we realized that this year we didn't know this. We're like, oh, cool. Like Chris is doing this illustration about these stones and, oh, it's chiseling, and that's kind of fun. But it's like, oh, wait, when you actually start getting chiseled, that really hurts. Have you ever had someone take a chisel to you and just, oh, it's like, ow. Like, there's some bleeding involved, you know? There's some, 
It's like, what are you doing to me? I mean, man, as a church, you may not have felt this, but as a church, as a leadership team, and as people, we felt the chisel, okay? Like the hammer came, right? We felt the pruning shears of our loving God, just, and just, right? But, but remember, church, the good thing is this. Guess what? You can only prune things that grow, right? Isn't that good news? Pruning is good. You don't prune things that don't grow. Pull them out of the ground. See ya. But things that grow, you prune. So we're like, hold on a second. It is, doesn't feel good, but man, something's happening. We are being fruitful as a church, although pruning is painful. But necessary so that what? You can get stronger at the base. You ever prune back rose bushes? You don't prune back rose bushes they get real scraggly, they don't look real pretty, okay? And those base trunks don't get thicker. You have to prune a rose bush so that base trunk gets thicker and thicker so then it produces more beautiful flowers and a more colorful arrangement. You only get thicker and stronger if you are pruned. If you're never pruned, you will never get stronger. You'll actually grow wider and get weaker and thinner and your limbs will start to do this. You ever see a tree like that? Man, the healthy ones, they go strong, they got a strong trunk, strong roots. God was doing that this year, a lot of pruning, a lot of chiseling, but God is good because we stayed in the game with him. It says that we are being built up as a spiritual house. Um, you know, when we were building our own home back in 2018, 2017, 2018, we had delays at times, and those are usually weather delays or uh, materials didn't come in on time or like our subcontractors didn't show up or something like that, and you had delays, and in many ways, I kind of think about our actual church, and you know, we had some, we had some goals laid out, but we had some delays along the way, and, and we had different things that we couldn't control. You know, you can't really control the weather, right? And, and so there's things that were out of our control as a church, as a leadership team, just as a people that, man, I didn't see that happening, or how to respond now, right? You have to react to things. Other things were just, hey, we don't have the people in place, you know, and when we had to make changes in the college ministry and when Ashley and I stepped into that or we made changes and, and Chris and Lena stepped into helping out with the young adults and, and then, you know, and then we look up and realize, hey, we've got, we've got some operational things we've got to get done and, you know, this over here needs some help. It's just, you, you kind of look around and if you've been in our church for a while, you're probably realizing, yeah, 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 I've seen kind of some holes. Like, guess what? Like, you're not the only wise guy in the room. We see those holes too. We are well aware of those things. But what we realized, what God was doing in the midst of the pruning was also showing us that we were too dependent upon a staff. And that he was saying, you need to get back to equipping and empowering the people. In fact, in 2018, we had four specific kind of goals that God was giving us in 2018, and one of them was to equip and empower the saints. And we had lost sight of that. And so we had actually taken some of the roles, responsibilities, and giftings that maybe you possess, that you have, that is part of your contribution to the body of Christ, and then kind of taking that upon ourselves, and that wasn't right to do. And so, whether we invite it or not, the pruning came because we were out of alignment. You see, when you're out of alignment there, God will prune you back and say, hey, um, let me show you how to do it differently. So God's doing that, and we're still learning, we're still growing, but in 2020, we are dead set on getting that thing figured out of how do we equip and empower you, the people again, to be involved in releasing your giftings and the calling of God in your life because we are all built up together as a spiritual house. It's not just a few stones, it's the many. 
You have to remember 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's why you're a living stone because the spirit of God dwells in you. And we don't want to be dependent upon the staff. We want to be dependent upon Jesus. That's when I say, stand on your own two feet. God was showing us we gotta be a church that turns the corner and helps 70, 80, 90% of our people. You're always gonna have that 10, 20% that are coming in and, and learning. You may be in that category. Just, you're just here, you're just new to the faith, and that's totally great. But the majority of people need to be able to stand on their own two feet in their walk with Christ, to defend their faith, to be clear on the gospel, to understand the kingdom values and be living them out without someone holding your hand. But as long as you're having to hold your hand, there's only so many hands you can hold, right? Especially when you have five kids, you just, I mean, you can get two of them, maybe three. You know, if you get one in the back, I mean, that's it, you're maxed out. You can't hold everybody's hands. If you're a discipler, you can't hold everybody's hands. But you can lead them somewhere. See, let me show you the way. Now you walk in it. Jesus led his disciples. He didn't hold their hands. He led them. He said, now do you see what I do? You do the same, but you go do it. And do it and express in a different way, maybe in the maybe different gifting that I've given you. The last thing I'll just mention is the holy priesthood. This idea of offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How do we kind of see this, see this play out? Um, I think we use this phrase at times that, that, that uh, and, and this is a place where we actually fell short, which was that, that the word of the Lord there was for us to be ministers to God and ministers to people. And although we certainly increase in a ministry of the Lord through worship and through songwriting and through preaching and teaching what we're doing and how we're trying to shape things as a church, a piece that we missed, we didn't necessarily hit, was, um, was the ministering to the people part. Meaning that we weren't necessarily equipping you to be ministering to people in the way that maybe you could be maximizing that. And that ourselves as staff were not as available as we would like to be to help just coach you and equip you and help you in that. That's really our job, right? It's to equip the saints for the work of service. That's the job. It's to actually serve you. And we recognize, man, there are some places we missed it. And it doesn't matter what the excuses are. In fact, the other day I was reading the Bible. I came across the word excuse and I searched for it in Bible Gateway and I said, how many times the word excuse mentioned in the Bible? Anyone know? Six times. They're all negative, <laughs> right? Uh, just, just, just do your own search, and it'll be, it'll be eye-opening. Um, but, but the word excuse is actually like, like a bad word in the Bible because every time it's associated with death. It's they made excuses, and that led them to this. It led them to this. Like, it's not good. And what I realized is that, Lord, I need to stop making excuses internally. Excuses are out. They're not in. They're not cool, <laughs> that we as a people need to say, you know, the excuses need to be gone. We don't have enough money, get rid of the excuse. You don't have enough people on staff, get rid of the excuse. You don't feel equipped, get rid of the excuse. You're a new leader, get rid of the excuse. I'm too young, get rid of the excuse. There wasn't any excuses. Jesus never said, hey, you know what, Peter? You're right, you're young, you know what? We'll just, James and John, no big deal, you're not ready for that. No, 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 no. He calls you up. Whether you think you're ready or not, he knows. He gifts you with something, whether you think you're really gifted it or not, he gave it to you. You get to use it, All right? That's what God's inviting us into, into 2020, man, it's gonna be awesome. Because 2019 is gonna be behind us, praise the Lord. <laughs> there were great things, difficult things, challenging things, hard things for some of us. And I wanna acknowledge in this room, there were jobs that were lost this year. There, were, there was finances that dried up this year for some of you. Some of you, you lost dear friends because they moved on or something happened. 
things happen in your life groups and you felt this, master, this, this monster shakeup, the staffing changes really affected you because you were close to them and not really sure what's going on. And for some of you, you lost your family. We did. I lost my grandma. Many of you lost grandparents and even lost loved ones and some uh, parents in this church had miscarriages. There was death in our house this year in 2019. But here's what I know. Um, we started the year with Jesus and we're gonna end the year with Jesus. Everything happens in the middle, that's called life. <laughs> but Jesus is constant. So once it stands, we close today. And again, I don't, I don't know what, um, what your year's been like. But here's what I know in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to invite up some of our life group leaders, if you can make your way up here, just be available to pray for some folks. But he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus will give us rest. Not necessarily our job, our circumstantial change, but it is Jesus. It is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, the one upon who this church is built on. Not only is he the cornerstone, he's the head of the church, and, and, and he, he always is gonna bookend our years. And he's throughout it. And so I don't know what your year's been like, but some of these guys are available just to pray for you. If you wanna come and get prayer for anything, just come on up here. If you don't feel comfortable coming up here, grab someone you came with. Say, hey, would you just pray for me? Be bold. We do that all the time in the church. It's not weird. Just ask a friend next to you. Hey, would you pray for me? It's been a hard year. Or, I don't know, but I want us to end this year with Jesus because he is our hope. He is our salvation and life's never gonna be easy and life's never gonna be just picture perfect. But that's why we have him. He is the perfect one. And every time things feel chaotic or hard or challenging or sad, we can look at him and say, Jesus, I know this life's momentary troubles are just that, momentary. But he's making a home for us, eternal home. And my hope is that as you look back at this year and reflect that what you remember is that God was with you through all of it. He didn't leave you, didn't forsake you, he was with you. You may not have heard his voice, you may not have seen him in this moment, you can't understand why something turned out the way it did, but he was with you. So I just want to invite him to come this morning just to minister to our hearts, that he ultimately be the one to minister to the people this morning. So Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We do invite you right now to minister to our hearts. If there's conviction that's needed of sin, Lord, do it this morning. If there's just a weary heart in the room, Lord, just come and bring the grace of God and the mercy of God to our souls. If our bodies are just tired and feel beaten up, if there's aches and pains, Spirit of God, come and touch us. Provide healing over our bodies. But Lord, we love you. No matter what this year has brought to us, we will stand in your presence and say, God, we are yours. We're committed to you, no matter what comes our way. So Lord, come right now. Just minister to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. If you need any prayer, just come on up. All these guys would love to pray for you.